It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of Locked On Titans. I'm Jimmy Morris, joined as always by Terry Lambert. Terry, how are you tonight? Doing good. We we found, The wait is over. We finally know who the Titans have, have picked, so it's a good day. It is a great day. The wait is over. Uh, it, we talked about this before, but it just seems like so much longer this year, you know, after last year, the Titans getting in the playoffs, winning a playoff game. Then they fired Mike Malarkey, had a coaching search. So we had all of that stuff to talk about before we ever got into draft coverage. This year we went straight from week 17 into draft coverage. So it was like, it, it seemed like an eternity. So we finally got the answer tonight to who the Titans pick would be at 19. So we're going to talk about that, obviously, in this show, and then kind of give you a preview of what you can expect tomorrow before we do that remind you we write from ucmiracles.com where we cover the times for SB nation so you can check us out there you can also follow us on twitter i'm at jmorrismcm terry's at t lambert tn you get the podcast wherever you get your podcast just search out locked on titans and you will find us there uh, we also have a voicemail line so if you want to give us feedback on the simmons pick or anything we talk about or just whatever 615-787-8762. Uh, call in there. Leave us about a minute-long message, and we'll try our best to get that into a show next week. All right, so the Titans took Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle from Mississippi State, uh, with the 19th pick. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of a lot of question marks surrounding this pick. Uh, you have the torn ACL from earlier this season, so we, we, we pretty much know that he's not going to be available at the beginning of the season. Um, a lot of people are saying he's not going to be available at all in 2019. I don't think that's the case. Um, I, I think, you know, eight months after a torn ACL, a guy can be back to pretty much full strength. Um, so I do think we see him this year, but I think that he probably starts the season on PUP. Maybe don't see him until after the bye. You always have the off-the-field incident that ESPN apparently took the whole, you know, however long after the Titans picked Simmons to talk about. Um, an ugly incident, no doubt, uh, you know, but something that happened four, three or four years ago uh, by all accounts with everybody that, um, you, you know, that the, the Titans have talked to. Uh, he's, he's changed from that. It was a, it was a mistake. Again, I, I don't. I don't really hear to talk about that. You can you can draw your own conclusions as far as that's concerned. We'll mainly focus on the football part of this here. I will say one more thing about that. Just keep in mind the Titans have Amy Adams Strong, a female owner, who would have had to sign off on this, so she was comfortable with it. But again, you draw your own conclusions there. Let's talk about Jeffrey Simmons, the football player. Terry, what's your reaction to what Simmons is going to bring to this team on the field? Well, you're getting a top ten player. You know, every analyst out there had has said that uh, if he didn't blow out his knee, if he didn't have this off the field thing lingering over him, he might have gone top five. But uh, you're getting an elite talent in this draft, and you know we, we've talked about it. It seemed like every question we got was about Simmons in this draft process. You know, whether or not he was going to be there at 51, uh, Titans end up taking him at 19. So. Uh, six four, three hundred pounds. Finally, finally, some help for Jarrell Casey, who really hadn't had it his entire career in Tennessee. Uh, he, he's been, you know, fighting through double teams for what six, seven, eight years now. It seems, uh, you know, he's been successful with it. But adding Simmons into this mix is it, just going to make him you know, that much better. So, um, like you said, 
we don't know when he's going to play. He's not going to go through training camp. We're going to have to be a little patient through this process. But ACLs are not once were. Um, you know, you see guys coming back from ACL injuries six months, eight months now. It used to be a, a full year, no doubt. Uh, but he did that in February. So yeah, I don't think it's unrealistic to say this guy's going to be back in sometime in October, you know, maybe even on the field at, at the midway point of this season. Yeah, and that's the thing. We talked about this when we, you know, we talked about the schedule release. If you go and look at the way the Titans' schedule sets up, you know, they have the bulk of their division games after their bye. So when you look at starting in November, you go – uh, Jaguars, November 24th, Colts, December 1st, Texans, de- de- or t- yeah, December 15th, and Texans again, December 29th. So you've got four of those games, four of those of your six division games coming at from the end of November on. And, and like you're saying, I, I really do think that Simmons will be available for that stretch run. Now, you, you know, listen, we, we've seen what happens when these guys miss training camp. It takes them a little bit more time and that and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I don't think that we should fully expect that what we're going to see from Simmons whenever he is on the field to be what the Titans are ultimately going to get in him. But I do think he can come in and make an impact. I think that, like you said, they finally have somebody to take attention away from Jarrell Casey, and that's been the biggest problem. I mean, you know, they gave they gave Daquan Jones a bunch of money last offseason. And, to, I mean, to, to Jones' credit, he did play better, uh, you know, at the end of the or the year before, before he had the injury. But I think a lot of that is just because so much of the attention was focused on Jarrell Casey. And this one, it, it gives Daquan, Austin Johnson, whoever, off the field a little bit, which I think is nothing but a good thing because those guys have, have underperformed or at least it just have been non-factors for the most part, when they've been on the field. So you get less snaps from those guys whenever Simmons is ready, and you have somebody else the team has to account for, that the opposing team has to account for. And I just I, you cannot overstate how big that's going to be. You cannot overstate how important it is that there's going to be a focus up front besides Jarrell Casey. That opens things up for Jarrell Casey. It opens things up for Harold Landry. It opens things up for whoever else they have rushing off of the edge. So, I mean, I, I think he's a guy that can create penetration from from the, you know, from the middle, from the middle of the offensive line. And that's one of the, one of the things, I mean, one of the biggest recipes for success right now. You, you get that push back and get the quarterback off, off of his spot. And I think he has the ability to make everybody around him better. Like you said, he's a guy that um, could have been a top 10, could have been even a top five pick if you don't have the ACL tear. Uh, I was listening to John Robinson. He was on the, with the Titans radio guys after after the pick was made, and you know, basically saying Simmons was the guy they liked. You know, they asked him, well, you know, how did you feel towards ACL? And, and Robinson was like, you know, well, I mean, it was a little bit bittersweet. He's like, you know, we hate it for the kid because obviously that that sets him back. But you know, basically, John Robinson said, hey, now we think we might have a chance to get him at 19, where we didn't think that was possible before. So obviously, not something they were rooting for. But put him in that position, and again, I just he's going to do a lot of things for this defense when he's healthy and on the field. Yeah, I think you got to look at how the board fell too. That that's a yeah. big part of the equation for me. Uh, you, let's just start at thirteen. Christian Wilkins goes uh, to Miami. You know, like like we were talking about before we hopped on here, the, the board had fallen really well. 
um, to, to this point. Uh, then at 13, Wilkins goes. At 14, Chris Lindstrom goes. That's higher than anyone thought he would go to Atlanta. Uh, Haskins goes 15. Brian Burns, 16. Um, that's a guy that had a lot of top 10 hype, and he was starting to tumble, and, and we were starting to get our hopes up there. Uh, that would have been certainly would have been an instant answer on the edge. He goes 16 to Carolina. And then the Giants take Lawrence. Uh, Garrett Bradbury goes 18. So both of our guys, Lindstrom and Bradbury, who we've talked about for months uh, as being potential fits, potential Josh Klein replacements, go before the Titans can even pick. There's no real pass rusher there. You had the Montez Sweat deal uh, with the heart issue uh, that, that left everything in doubt for him. He ends up going 26. Uh, but, you know, nothing else really made sense for the Titans. You know, we were talking about Hollywood Brown. Uh, you know how we feel on that. You know, he's a smaller guy with Liz Frank injury. Um, you know, what's the positional value of receiver with how deep this receiver class is? So when you pair all of that together, this this pick just makes a, a ton of sense. You know, there's no there was nobody – there was no real difference maker on the defensive front other than Simmons. So – uh, looking at it from that perspective, I don't know how the Titans do better tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, uh, the way there was a point there where you're like, all right, man, they're going to have uh, so many of these guys that we've talked about, so many of these guys that we've seen in different mock drafts, you know, the people that weren't being ridiculous and mocking a corner and a tight end and, and all that stuff. Wilkins, uh, Bradbury, Lindstrom, like you said. All the, it looked like they were going to have a choice of all of those guys, Burns, and then all of a sudden they're all gone, and so you kind of had to reset a little bit. But the way it fell, this just seemed to make the most sense. Because we talked about it when we did the, we did the Locked On draft. I did the SB Nation writers draft. Bradbury was our pick in both of those mocks because it was just what made sense. It was just that was the best value for, for what, what had come off the board at 19. And then, you know, in this draft, once he's gone – it just kind of opened up some other things. So I mean, I, I think it, I think it, it all worked out pretty well. You would have liked to have a, a few more choices there, but um, with the way things fell, I, I think the Titans had to be pretty pleased with what they came away from here. All right, coming up, we will talk a little bit about what this looks like for tomorrow. We're kind of resetting the Titans' needs and all of that stuff. Before we do that, tell you about ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard, multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free as this, at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Matt Williamson brings the scouts' perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest 
completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah. Let's throw a couple nuggets out on Allen. And I know he's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted. And he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so now we start to turn our attention to day two of the NFL draft. Um, we're recording this as the first round is ending up. We're through 30 picks uh, currently. It looks like – we talked a lot about the, how the Titans probably weren't going to go receiver in the, in the first round for, for a multitude of reasons. But they do need to add weapons on offense. And the way that this draft is set up so far, it looks like there's going to be a lot of quality – wide receivers available in the second round. Now, the Titans don't pick a 51, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot that can change between, you know, when the, when the second round starts and the Titans are actually on the clock. But, you know, as we sit right here at pick 30, you've only had one right wide receiver off the board in, in, in Marquise Brown. So it really looks like the Titans are going to have the opportunity to get a quality player there in the second round, and then you can still add – that interior offensive lineman possibly in the third round, a guy that you can probably at least bring in and can have a chance to start for you next year. There's a fascinating conversation going on right now in Titans draft room. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to make this call because you look at the receivers left, and again, we've got two picks left uh, as we're recording this, but in Kill Harry, Debo Samuel, uh, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Paris Campbell, they're all still available. Uh, just wild. I, I didn't think we'd be saying all that. Uh, you know, even guys like Hakeem Butler uh, still on the board. So I think there's going to be a huge run of receivers uh, in the second round. Uh, still some some top flight guys, in my opinion, that you can go get. So uh, you've got kind of got to weigh that out against getting a guard who you need. Uh, you know, you don't currently have a, a rock solid starter there. You've got guys like Connor McGovern. Drew Samia left, and Michael Dieter uh, from Wisconsin. Uh, guys that we've heard, guys that we've seen connected to pick 51. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm not real comfortable p- taking a receiver at 51 and, and waiting on getting a potential starter in the third round. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And then now the Falcons have traded 231, so I would assume they're not going to take a receiver. Um, but, yeah, I, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting thing to watch because and we talked about this and and I have been I mean we both have been firm on this they have to walk away from the first two days of the draft with an interior offensive lineman that has the opportunity to start and so like you're saying then you got to weigh the the chances of being able to get that guy in the third round if you do go receiver in the second round. And again, you know, as we sit here, we don't know how the, the picks in front of the Titans are going to play out in the second round. Maybe there's not a run of receivers. Maybe a lot of these guys are still sitting there at 51, and then you think, okay, maybe we can wait until the third round, and, and we're still going to get a player that can step in there. Uh, do they like some of these tight ends? I mean, I, I, we said all along tight end was ridiculous at 19, but I don't think it's ridiculous as we get later into the draft. You know, a guy that can come in and help you if John who doesn't continue to take the steps he thought he was going to. 
if Delaney Walker doesn't it doesn't come back from his from his injury 100. percent I mean, there's a lot of different ways they can go, but I still think they have to get a guy that at least can come in and compete to start at guard before tomorrow is over or you know Friday. So that that's that would be the biggest thing for me um, as, as they watch how this all plays out. It was interesting. I mean, like we said, you you had Lindstrom, Lindstrom you had Bradbury go. Uh, and Lindstrom was a guy we talked a lot about. At least the Titans, not necessarily that he would that they would take him, but you know that they had more information on him than anybody else would. Uh, but he was off the board by the time they by the time they came on the clock. So it, it's just been kind of an interesting day. And then you've still got a bunch of these tackles available. Do they? Is there one of those guys that they that is going to keep kind of sliding down the board? They think they can move inside. So yeah, I mean it's just it, it's so interesting. And I think that. You know, we get so excited for, for the first day of the draft, and obviously, you know, the first round is really exciting. But when we, you know, when this when this first round is over and we sit down and we look at, you know, best players available and all that kind of stuff, there are still going to be a lot of really good names on the board, and they're still going – there's going to be, like what, 10 or 11 guys that we saw consistently going in the first round of mock drafts that are still on the board. So, you know, tomorrow is really just as important as today was. Absolutely. I mean, I think we both we both feel like they, they still have to add two starters, you know, which is which is strange because I, I think they plugged a lot of holes there. But I, I still think they have to add another receiver. What I, what I don't want them to do is to take a pass rusher. Because once you get into the second round, pass rusher, you know, Harold Her- Landry is kind of a, a different deal there. There was something up with his medicals. Um, they, they, they've got to have the athleticism uh, to get after the, the, pass, the passer. I just don't think those guys in the second, third round have that juice in them. So I'd rather see them hold off until next year, maybe address that next season's draft, uh, and maybe can sign another Band-Aid like Cam Wake. Uh, but I, I think you make a good point on, on the offensive tackles, guys like Cody Ford, uh, Dalton Reisner, uh, I, I thought those two might be in play at, at 19, you know, just seeing how everything fell. Didn't really know how they felt about Simmons. Uh, those two could have easily you know, been the pick at 19 and come in and, and kicked inside to guard uh, and been the answer and been the starter there. So um, it, it's interesting. Uh, I, I, which way are you going? You know, at 51, gun to your head, uh, you've got Debo Samuel on the board or you can pick an offensive guard. Which way are you going? If it's me, I go with the guard. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I have this thing with receivers, and you know, we talked a lot about Hollywood Brown. I just, he may be good in the NFL. I just don't think he would have been good here. And yeah. yeah, I mean, we talked about the reasons that that he might not be good in the NFL at all. But I, I just, we've never figured out how to use those guys here. So I, I think I'm a little bit gun shy on that. But again, they don't have a starter at right guard right now. You've mm-hmm. got enough receivers that you can run out there. I mean, you've got Corey Davis. You've got Adam Humphreys. You've got Taewon Taylor, who I, I mean, I, they probably still have a little bit of faith in. Uh, you got Tajay Sharp, serviceable. So I mean, you, you've got some guys there. You don't have a right guard right now. So I, I think that if you're not going to take that guy at 51, you've got to be really confident that the guy you're going to take in the third round is going to be there. And I just I, I don't know if you can be or not. Um, so that, that that's kind of where I sit. I mean, you you kind of feel the same way. Yeah, it's tougher for me. I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, you're you're talking about the difference in a, a Debo and Arcega Whiteside versus, you know, who we're talking about Kelvin Harmon, Andy Isabella, Emmanuel Hall in the third. You know, uh, I think the the drop off is kind of significant there. 
but at the same time, I, I see where you're coming from. It's like we've said all along. You've got to come out uh, of this draft with a starter at right guard. So you've got Kevin Panfield right now. Maybe you can kick Kelly inside, but they seem opposed uh, to that idea. You know, that would certainly make things easier. Uh, I, I just want some help from Marcus Mariota. I, I just I, – I really don't want to go through another season you know, talking about, well, if this guy would have caught the ball, you know, we'd have a different opinion of, of Marcus Mariota. So I, I hope they address it. It's just an embarrassment of riches there in that second round. Uh, I just think it's going to be hard to pass on one of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. All right, coming up to finish up the show, we'll talk a little bit about uh, what the rest of the teams in the division did in round one. And we, we haven't addressed the Drew Locke rumor, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. All right, so starting with the Drew Locke rumor, did you ever buy that? I mean, to me, that was ridiculous. I, I, I'm not not to say that they couldn't take a, a quarterback in this draft if there was a guy they were really in love with, but I just I, I never John Robinson was not falling in love with Drew Locke like that. That just never made sense to me. I I never bought it, but I'll be honest. Once uh, once he got past eleven, I started to sweat a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because me just the way yeah. it was falling, you know, if you were going to do something like that. Your board had kind of been cleared off uh, if they didn't like Simmons there. So uh, if you were going to do something like that, it, it kind of sort of made sense. That of, of course, it didn't uh, to me and you because we're believers in Marcus Mariota. You've brought in Ryan Tannehill. You're kind of going all all in this season. Uh, you know. And, and then long term, I, I just don't buy drafting Drew Locke there. You know, you, you've got this stellar quarterback class next year. You've got Tua coming out. You've got Justin Herbert. You've got Trevor Lawrence in two years. I, I just didn't like the idea of pigeonholing yourself in there, and, and it just did not make any sense to me. Yeah, I, I, the, the one thing, you know, because when, when Daniel Jeremiah threw it out there, he was throwing it out there as here's all the, the crazy stuff that I'm hearing. Good luck predicting this draft. I mean, that's basically what he said. But then when Peter King mentioned it, that was when I was kind of like, okay, you know, like he's been connected to John Robinson in the past. That's when I started to get a little bit nervous, but it just never, I don't know, it never really made sense to me, and I was i was going to have a lot of trouble if that's what happened. And again, not because they took a quarterback, but because of the quarterback that they would have taken in Drew Locke. So that's kind of where I was on that. All right, finishing up with what the other teams did. Um, the Jaguars, man, I was so pissed when Josh <laughs> Allen is, is still on the board at seven. Like, I wouldn't have thought in my wild, like, in, in anything, that that you that we looked at any of the mocks. I mean, he wasn't making it past four in any of that stuff. And then, of course, the Raiders go way off the board and pick Furl, however you say his name. Uh, you know, a guy that was was consistently at least getting in range of the Titans. Sometimes falling past the Titans in mock drafts. They go off the board there. You got the the Giants taking Daniel Jones. I mean, so just the you got the you know dumb teams being dumb in in front of the Jaguars, and they luck into a guy that. You know, just looks like he's going to be a star. Looks like a really good football player. So, not 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 the greatest thing the way that thing fell. Yeah, and I know we're trying to talk about the Jaguars, but I got to talk about the Giants for a second. Has anyone ruined a roster quicker than Dave Gettleman oh has ruined that roster? I mean, you trade away Odell Beckham, you pass on on the quarterback last year, only to draft Daniel Jones this year, and you spend a top two pick on a running back. Then you take a nose tackle at, at 17. Uh, the, the Giants have gotten significantly worse since he took over. And, it, again, directly in, impacts the Titans here. 
uh, Josh Allen, are a really good, really productive line, uh, outside linebacker, falls right into the Jaguars' lap. So they get a, a blue-chip talent when, you know, they were rumored to take T.J. Hawkinson or, or an offensive lineman there. So, uh, yeah, hated seeing that uh, just for the Jaguars' sake because that defense got a lot better t- tonight. All right, before we talk about the other two teams, first round closes out with the Patriots taking and kill Harry. So there oh, yeah. is one receiver off the board, but there's still a bunch of guys there. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out tomorrow. All right, so then you have the Texans, uh, who you know picked right, right at, or closely after the Titans, um, and <laughs> just the, the Texans, man, they're they're special, right? Uh, they they need an offensive lineman, so they they got one of those, but it just seemed like they they kind of went way off the board there with, I mean, a guy that I think you know has some potential. I don't know. It just seemed like there were there were better guys that they could have taken that do similar things. Uh, yes, yeah, the Texans uh, really uh, apparently hate Deshaun Watson. That that's my my takeaway there. Uh, I, I think they got sniped there for, from Andre Dillard. Uh, I think that's where they were going to go. Uh, Philadelphia moves up in front of them, grabs the the tackle there, forces the Texans. You know they they got to squirm there and, and figure out who they're going to pick. Uh, they ended up going with a project who was rumored to be, you know, somewhere in the second round. I'd even see him, see him in the third round. So, uh, interesting selection there. They they had to go offensive line. Uh, that that's been the biggest need there for for years. Uh, so they take a project there. I, I'm not sure if he's a day one guy. You know, Texas fans aren't, aren't going to be happy with that. But uh, a, a guy with a lot of athletic ability, a, a lot of upside, but um, definitely doesn't solve their problem immediately. Yeah, and then you got the Colts who ended up trading out of the first round uh, with the Redskins. So they traded back into the second round, picked up a two this year and a two next year. Um, you know, they, they could kind of afford to do that after the draft that they had last year. Uh, you, you know, really restocked that roster with talent and now loading up on more picks. And that's not I – mean, I mean, there are obviously, you know, disadvantages to trading out of the first round. You don't get that fifth-year option and all that kind of stuff. But I, just, I don't like the idea of Ballard having extra picks there because he's just done such a good job with, with the ones he's had so far. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I hated seeing that happen. Uh, just just kind of what he did last year. They had a ton of picks last season uh, and hit on a lot of them and ended up flipping that terrible defense and turning it into a you know top-half defense. So, uh, yeah, Ballard is definitely a problem for the AFC South, you know, building that roster around – Andrew Luck, already a ton of young talent there. So, that yeah, that's scary. Yeah, so anyway, um, it, was a, it was a fun first round, as the NFL draft always is. Um, always a lot of surprises and things that you didn't see coming. Really cool to see it in Nashville. Uh, by all accounts, everything went off pretty flawlessly. Um, there was a huge crowd down there, so um, not surprised at all. That, they, that they've done a really good job. But just just a good look for the city, and you like that for the city, for the Titans organization, because, you know, they were a, they had a big hand. Amy Adams Strunk had a big hand in, in getting it here. So it was, it was cool to see the turnout and everything that was going on downtown. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, I mean, I thought the Preds pictures were awesome, but then seeing these, they, it just seemed like the crowd had quadrupled in size. And that picture the Titans tweeted out with Amy, Amy Adams Strunk, you know, with the crowd behind her, that was awesome. Uh, just just kind of the culmination of all that work 
uh, you know, having the uniform reveal and all that. Uh, just really cool to see Nashville take another step forward. You know, I, I think they're going to have to build a new stadium to, to get a Super Bowl or anything like that. But definitely, uh, rain and all, they, they really performed on a big stage. Yeah, and I think, you know, the combination of the things that you mentioned, the, the Predators playoff stuff from a couple of years ago and, and the uniform reveal, I, I think those two things really showed, really highlighted uh, the, the turnout that Nashville can produce. And so I think those were really instrumental in getting the draft here. All right, so that'll do it for our show tonight. Like I said, a lot of stuff's coming up. MusicMiracles.com. Uh, we'll be writing on best players available. Uh, I'm sure we'll have second-round mocks tomorrow, all that kind of stuff to look at, so you can check that out. Again, follow us on Twitter. I'm at JMorrisMCM. Terry's at T. Lambert, TN. Uh, pod, or the voicemail number, if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, reaction to the Simmons pick or anything else that happened on night one, 615-787-8762. It was about a minute-long voicemail, and we will get to it on a show next week. Again, subscribe to the show, Locked on Titans. We'll have a ton of stuff coming out over the next couple of days. So hit that subscribe button. You'll get them as soon as they are available. For Terry, this is Jimmy saying thanks for listening to Locked on Titans, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked on Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.